0: Thanks to our listeners, Issues Etc. has operated independently and in the black for 14 consecutive years. Please help us cover all of our expenses again this year by making a year-end tax-deductible gift. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our latest book, The Wittenberg Trail, Paths to Lutheranism, and a new recording of 22 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution today at issuesetc.org. Thanks for your support at the end of 2022. to one of the advent hymn hark a thrilling voice is sounding well that's true john the baptist is calling for repentance but late in his career he finds himself in herod's prison and that thrilling voice is asking a question via messenger sent to jesus are you the one or shall we look for another greetings and welcome back to issues etc coming to you live from the studios of lutheran public radio in collinsville illinois i'm todd wilkin thanks for tuning us in It's time to look forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary. Pastor Peter Bender joins us. He's pastor of Peace Lutheran Church in Sussex, Wisconsin, and director of the Concordia Catechetical Academy. Peter, welcome back.
1: Good to be with you, Todd.
0: How is the third Sunday here in Advent both different and the same in a lot of ways as the other Sundays?
1: Well... I have been stunned by how much, in preparation for this particular series, rejoicing permeates all of Advent. And uh, that's what this Sunday has as its intro at Gaudete, Rejoice Ye. And certainly that's common to all four Sundays. But I think in this particular Sunday, it takes on a heightened level as that rejoicing is most especially linked to the proclamation of the gospel in the here and now. So the theme of rejoicing that permeates all of Advent does not ignore the deep and abiding darkness of our hearts or of the world in which we live, but rather focuses our attention upon the all-sufficiency of the gospel of Christ to bring us relief and comfort no matter what we face. So for this Sunday, preaching the advent of our Lord in the here and now, in the comfort of the proclamation of the forgiveness of sins, the comfort of God's mercy and grace to the broken and the contrite of heart. I think that is especially accented in this great Sunday of rejoicing. So Jesus' forgiveness for me and his church is what we are to preach. And it is also the foundation of our rejoicing. So that's why the color is pink on the Advent wreath in the historic one-year lectionary. But it's such a strong emphasis on proclaiming the Lord's mercy and forgiveness to us when we are broken and downtrodden.
0: So you had just mentioned uh, the Advent wreath with the kind of off-color candle there. And that lightening of the typical color, which would be either in some cases blue or violet, that's to signal that this is kind of a special Sunday in Advent.
1: Yeah, it's a Sunday of rejoicing where the penitential flavor, perhaps, of the other Sundays is is lessened somewhat. Maybe the way to look at it is that the penitential flavor is less lessened and in favor of the pure proclamation of God's grace in Christ is more emphasized. And uh, I think that runs throughout the propers for the day, the readings, intro, collect, and so forth.
0: Let's talk about that collect. What does it say, and what would you say about it?
1: We have noted how it's in Advent when three of the four collects are directed to the person of the Son. And so, for the third Sunday in Advent, the collect is addressed to Jesus. Lord Jesus Christ we implore you to hear our prayers and to lighten the darkness of our hearts by your gracious visitation for you live and reign with the father and the holy spirit one god now and forever amen i think those who are familiar with the structure of collects should immediately note that this collect is fervent as our need is embodied in the petition itself and it moves immediately to the petition So we sometimes have this fourfold structure where you have the address, as we have in this one, Lord Jesus Christ, and then there will sometimes be a gospel basis for the petition. For example, Almighty God, your mercies are new to us every day, and though we in no way deserve your goodness, you abundantly provide for all of our needs of body and soul. That's kind of like the gospel basis for the petition that would then follow. But here, Lord Jesus Christ, we implore you. It moves immediately to the petition to hear our prayers, to lighten the darkness of our hearts by Jesus' gracious visitation. And I think that that movement immediately to the petition underscores how we gather together for the divine service and sometimes we are just simply desperate to hear a word of comfort from our lord to have him light in the darkness of our hearts uh, by his gracious visitation so in the collect light is contrasted with darkness the light of the gospel of god's grace versus the darkness of our doubt our fear our sin the troubles of life our unbelief The visitation, that's a great theme throughout Advent, and we can uh, think of the the song of the Benedictus, the song of Zechariah, he has visited and redeemed his people. So the visitation of the Lord Jesus in this collect and elsewhere in the readings for Advent always involves Jesus coming to us for the purpose of comforting, saving, forgiving, redeeming and instructing us in the way of his righteousness uh, from the Word of God that brings enlightenment. So there is probably not a collect in Advent that has greater fervor than the collect for the third Sunday in Advent.
0: What is the introit? How does it read?
1: The introit for this week is Psalm 85, verses 1 and 2, 6 and 8, and then the antiphon, which begins the intro, and which is where the Sunday gets its name, Gaudete, or Rejoice Ye, is taken from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. I'd like to stop, Todd, and just comment about the antiphon itself from Philippians, and and the translation, which I think needs amplification. This word reasonableness, let your reasonableness be known to everyone, it's a word that uh, sometimes translated gentleness, the idea of temperance, moderation, an unselfish, considerate, forbearing spirit, the magnanimity of the life of faith and generosity and gentleness and temperance in Christ to be known to everyone. So what is this getting at? We go through our lives and we experience all manner of suffering. And the suffering can be the death of a loved one. It can be the the sudden death, it can be a debilitating disease, it can be the struggle with one's own sin, it can be harm and injury that is done to us by false witnesses outside of the church or from a brother or sister within the church. And so in the face of such suffering and anxiety which can inspire frustration, even anger or despair, there is the temptation to our flesh to lash out in anger, trying to take matters into our own hands to solve these problems. So this particular passage from Philippians, if you think about Paul in his prison cell, and this is one of the prison epistles, saying, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. No matter what circumstances of life we may find ourselves in, we belong to the Lord, we have his word, we're baptized into Christ, and so that gives balance and perspective to our lives as Christians. And to be called to allow God to be God, and not to usurp his rightful position as our Lord and Savior, but to commend ourselves, all whom we love, and every circumstance of our life, to God in prayer. So Rejoice in the Lord always, again I will say rejoice, let your gentleness be known to everyone, the Lord is at hand, the Lord is near, near in his word, near as we call upon him in prayer and claim his promises, and then near because of his eminent return. And then the intro goes on, and it quotes, as I said just a moment ago, from Psalm 85, and The student of the Bible should immediately recognize language of God's promise to the patriarchs and to the people of Israel. So, Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. And then it turns to our condition now in the present church. Will you not revive us again, as you did to your people of old, that your people may rejoice in you? Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints, but let them not return back to folly. So in this set of verses, your land is really a a reference to the promise made to the patriarchs, which links together the gift of salvation and God's gracious care of his people in a wonderful, what I might call symbiotic relationship of grace, with the Lord and his people who are united to him in the Holy Spirit and by faith. So as he revived his Old Testament church, and one need only survey the Old Testament history to see that, as he revived his Old Testament church by his forgiving grace, restoring their fortunes in the land, as it were, and restoring peace for them in the midst of the darkness of their hearts, we pray for the same forgiveness. We pray for the same grace, that we use God's favor to his Old Testament people, restoring to them the land and the fortunes of Jacob as our model. If he did that for them, in spite of their weaknesses and failings, and so often running away from him, how much more can we depend upon it for ourselves? So we pray for the same forgiveness, grace, and peace to revive our joy. And to lighten our darkness, as the collect for the week indicates, and to spare us from a return to unbelief.
0: That brings us to the Alleluia verse, which is from Psalm 80.
1: Yes, some of these verses are taken directly from the gospel that they are anticipating, and others, like this one, from the Psalter. And as you know, we like to start with the gospel for the day. I mean the collect for the day that prays for being enlightened from the darkness that is in our hearts by his gracious visitation, this intro at, rejoice in the Lord always, you know, it is all really setting up and moving to the gospel for the day, which this Alleluia verse then also is anticipating. Alleluia, stir up your might and come to save us. The verse is from Psalm 80, it's another petition as is so common to this Sunday, addressed to Jesus. Just like the collect was addressed to Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord in the introit, is a rejoice in the Lord Jesus in being baptized into him and what he gives. And now this petition, stir up your might and come to save us. Stir up is a familiar petition during Advent. It inspires meditation. I think, you know, what does it mean to stir up? Uh, To our reason, it sometimes might appear as if our Lord is asleep in the boat while the storms of life are raging, you know, disconnected, unaffected by these things. It is almost as if we are calling upon him to awaken out of what we might perceive as his slumber and then to act to act on the basis of his heart of love and the promise of, his salvation for us. So stir up, wake up, Lord. You know, you think about the disciples in the boat. Do you not care that we are perishing? And of course, he does care. But it expresses how we are given as the children of God, as the baptized children of God, the right to petition our Lord. We have an access to him so that even when we are sometimes frantic in our lives because of the problems that are darkening the world in which we live, we have the right to to grab a hold of the Lord like Jacob who wrestled with the Lord and insisted, I won't let go of you until you bless me. So stir up your might and come to save us. And the might, I would argue, of which he speaks here is rooted in the promise of his grace. So it's not simply might in terms of raw power, God's omnipotence, but might to save The might of his redemption, the might that severs the shackles of Satan and that crushes his headship and that vanquishes all sin and death and gives us true freedom. So the Lord's might to save, rooted in the promise of his grace in the gospel. The holy gospel in which Jesus directs the disciples of John to the things that Jesus says and does, gives them the answer to this prayer, stir up your might and come to save us. So the gospel from Matthew 11 that now follows answers that prayer in the verse for the day.
0: We're talking with Pastor Peter Bender of the Concordia Catechetical Academy, looking forward to Sunday morning according to the one-year lectionary, and when we come back the conversation will turn to the gospel reading for this coming Sunday.
2: This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we move farther along in St. Luke with To Call Sinners, a question on fasting, Lord of the Sabbath, man with the withered hand, and the 12 apostles and Jesus on the plain. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. The Word of God. Daily worship, Lutheran hymnody and catechesis, instruction in phonics, traditional math, literature, grammar, history, Latin, and strings. It's all part of our daily life here at St. Paul Lutheran School in Hamill, Illinois. St. Paul is seeking teaching candidates for the 2023-24 school year. Learn more at school at stpaulhamel.org. Consider joining the faithful faculty at the only classical Lutheran school in Greater St. Louis. School at stpaulhammel.org
3: Your daily Lutheran Bible class. You're listening to Issues Etc.
4: Faith Lutheran Church and School in Plano, Texas, preaches Christ Crucified. Join us each Lord's Day to hear law and gospel preaching and to receive the Lord's Supper. Our classical preschool through grade 12 Lutheran school is second to none. The school serves home educators, too, with online classes in the high school. We are located at 1701 East Park Boulevard in Plano, Texas. Reach us by phone at 972-423-7448 or on the web at www.flsplano.org. You wish your classical school could do more for struggling learners, uncertain where to begin? The Memoria Press Schools Division includes Cheryl Swope, author of Simply Classical, a beautiful education for any child. The Schools Division will happily assist your school. Memoria Press offers an entire line of special needs resources for teaching math, reading, spelling, and more contact schools at memoriapress.com or order directly from simplyclassical.com with coupon code lpr23
1: Start.
0: the two of the hymn, Hark a Thrilling Voice, is sounding. We're looking forward to Sunday morning according to the one-year lectionary with Pastor Peter Bender, pastor of Peace Lutheran Church in Sussex, Wisconsin, and director of the Concordia Catechetical Academy. Peter, how does the gospel reading for this coming Sunday read?
1: Well, in the proper preface, you know, we talk so much about John the Baptist during Advent, and it is really in the third and the fourth Sunday in Advent that John the Baptist plays a crucial role. And so in Matthew 11, it is not, as we might imagine, John preaching at the banks of the Jordan River, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, which is absolutely central to the Advent theme, but rather John is in the Gospel from Matthew 11 for the third Sunday in prison. He's already been arrested and here's how the Gospel reads. When John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John What did you go out into the wilderness to see, a reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see, a man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. What then did you go out to see, a prophet? Yes, I tell you in more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the gospel of the Lord. Now verse 11, Todd, is one that the uh, editors for our one year lectionary for the hymnal added as an optional verse. Traditionally, it would have ended with the quotation from Malachi three, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. So I make note of that as a point of interest. I think that it is significant that originally it ended with the Malachi citation, Behold, I send my messenger before your face. So where John is sent from the Father before the face of Jesus to prepare Jesus' way. And it historically left it there because it is the proclamation of Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, in his words and in his works, which gives comfort to our sin-darkened world and hearts. But nevertheless, verse 11 is a lovely addition. Among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist because of his quintessential preaching of the comfort of the gospel. And yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Why? Because to be least in the kingdom of heaven is to be a little child of Jesus who receives his word and the comfort of the gospel. So let's talk about this gospel in total here. When John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the coming one or shall we look for another? Does John doubt or is he simply directing his disciples to place their faith in Jesus? And I would respond to a question like that, does it really matter? And the reason I respond that way is because we all need to be renewed in the words and works of Christ. That is the reason and the foundation for our rejoicing on this Gaudete Sunday and indeed throughout our entire lives as Christians. The words and works of Christ, which are true, which are certain, and which deliver to us the salvation for which we all yearn, It's the words and works of Jesus, if we wanna talk about that collect, that lighten the darkness of our hearts. It's the word and works of Jesus that call us to rejoice in the Lord always, no matter what we may be suffering under, no matter how much the tears may be flowing down our cheeks. So does it really matter? I would say absolutely not because we all need to be renewed in the words and works of Christ, including every prophet, every apostle, every evangelist, and every disciple of Jesus, everyone who is the least in the kingdom of heaven, but by God's grace are made the greatest. In this gospel, Jesus' words and works then testify to him. As the coming one to whom the Old Testament pointed. So you have go and tell John the things that you hear, what Jesus preaches, and see what Jesus does. And then look at verses 5 and 6 how they outline so beautifully in picturesque language the power of the gospel to save, to forgive, to create new life. The blind receive their sight. You think the blindness of sin the blindness of unbelief now they receive their sight through the forgiveness of sins and they're brought to faith the lame walk the paralysis that sin and death and satan's power brings into our lives and then we walk the lepers who are unclean by their leprosy a great picture of the disease of sin are cleansed the deaf who had no ears to hear, have their ears open and they hear the word of the gospel and the dead are raised up. You think of St. Paul's word, you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. And finally, the poor, the spiritually poor and impoverished, the economically poor and impoverished, those who are poor physically, they have heard the good news preached to them and they rejoice in the Lord's salvation. So those two verses, blessed is the one who is not offended at me, describe Jesus' ministry. How out of his preaching of the gospel of the forgiveness of sins, the blind could see, the lame could walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor had the good news of forgiveness preached to them. And what was so offensive to those who did not believe was his mercy and grace for other sinners that they believed were unworthy but that very grace and mercy for what so many thought were unworthy is the source of joy and rejoicing for those who receive it. So then what Jesus does here, see, Jesus' words and works testify to him as the coming one to whom the Old Testament pointed. The Old Testament scriptures actually proclaim the gospel, proclaimed in advance Jesus' ministry of grace. And that listing of things that's so beautiful there, the blind see, the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, you can think of passages in the Old Testament like Isaiah 35, strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees, say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not, behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God, he'll come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. So, that's just one Old Testament passage that you can see in what Jesus tells the disciples of John, that, that he's really echoing what the prophets said the Messiah would do, and that was to ground their faith, not only in what Jesus said, but that what he said and what he did was already proclaimed in advance in the Old Testament, uh, that they might know and believe Jesus is the Christ, he is the Savior, he is the source of comfort. So Jesus' ministry, there's that interesting addition in verse 6, blessed is the one who is not offended at me. Jesus' ministry of saving grace, as I just mentioned, is an offensive stumbling block for the faith of the work's righteous heart. As his suffering and death is, they're offended at this. The scribes and the Pharisees were offended at this. But for those who believe and have heard the word of the gospel, we see in his suffering and death, that this is the fountain and source of God's grace that comforts us in the darkness of this present age and gives relief to us in every time of suffering. I should draw our attention to the ministry of John the Baptist then that Jesus talks about in verses seven through 10. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. You know, What did you go out to see? into the wilderness? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? No, John was a prophet and he was a preeminent prophet that proclaimed unashamedly the word of God. So Jesus draws the attention of the crowd to what a faithful minister of the Lord Jesus looks like in the example and pattern of John the Baptist. John is the Lord's messenger as every faithful minister is sent before the face of the Lord Jesus to prepare Jesus way. As the angels always behold the face of Jesus Father, so his faithful ministers are always rejoicing in his face of divine grace in the work that they are called to do. And so this word about John the Baptist that comes in here as the second half of the gospel anticipates the epistle for the day And how the comfort spoken of in the Old Testament reading from Isaiah, the Old Testament reading for the day, is a comfort that is ministered to us by preaching. You know, we sometimes call John the last of the Old Testament prophets. He preached repentance. So certainly he preached fierce law, but but he preached law with the gospel in view. The harshness of the law was overcome by the sweetness of the gospel of God's comfort and mercy in Christ to which every broken and contrite repentant sinner was to be called. So that's what Jesus is on about then here. You know, John's ministry, he was a faithful steward of the mysteries of grace. God the Father sent him. John was the Father's messenger to prepare the Lord Jesus coming and every minister is called to that same kind of faithfulness that we then see in John.
0: We're looking forward to the third Sunday in Advent, according to the one-year lectionary. I'm Todd Wilkin. You're connected to Issues, etc. Our guest is Pastor Peter Bender. He's pastor of Peace Lutheran Church in Sussex, Wisconsin, and director of the Concordia Catechetical Academy. He's also a graduate of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, where they form servants in Jesus Christ who teach the faithful, reach the lost and care for all. Learn more about studying for the vocations of pastor or deaconess at ctsfw.edu or by calling 1-800-481-2155, Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. We'll get into the Old Testament, Isaiah 40, next. Archbooks Treasury Christmas Collection is the perfect Christmas gift for children, grandchildren, and godchildren ages 5 through 9. This new resource is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040. You can also purchase Archbooks Treasury Christmas Collection at issuesetc.org. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for December, Archbooks Treasury Christmas Collection, 1-800-325-3040, or
3: issuesetc.org. I'm Chaplain Sean Denzer, Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Congregations work hard to keep the Word of Christ dwelling richly in His disciples now and into eternal life. We work to help and support that effort. Learn more at lcms.org slash worship. You'll find resources on the church here, Bible studies on the hymns of the day, audio helps for learning to sing our services, and look for worship planning resources to find the latest from LCMS Worship. That's lcms.org slash worship. May the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Sacramental, historical, liturgical. You're listening to Issues Etc.
2: Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take
0: care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial a podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com
4: now. Metro East Lutheran High School in Edwardsville, Illinois, is looking for an English teacher with a master's degree for the 2023-24 school year. Edwardsville is 30 minutes from downtown St. Louis. The position would involve teaching upper-level, dual-credit English classes. For more information, send an email to Principal J. Krause, J-A-Y-K-R-A-U-S-E, at M-E-L-H-S dot org. J. Krause at M-E-L-H-S dot org.
0: Welcome back to Issues Etc. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, the third Sunday of Advent, with Pastor Peter Bender of the Concordia Catechetical Academy. We come next here to the Old Testament reading, Isaiah 40, the first eight verses. How does it read, Peter?
1: Isaiah 40, it's one of my favorite Old Testament texts because I learned it by heart as a boy from Handel's Messiah. The opening recitative and aria by the tenor and then the opening chorus that follows after that. They're all contained here in Isaiah 40. Verses 1 through 8 are the regular Old Testament reading. They also offer as an option adding verses 9 through 11, which I will do in reading. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned that are with young. This is the word of the Lord. So, those opening lines, Todd, of the Old Testament, comfort, comfort my people. That's what you and I, as ministers of the gospel, are called to do. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Cry to her, The warfare of sin is ended. Your iniquity is pardoned. You have received in the Lord's forgiving grace double for all your sins. Greater is God's grace than your sin. And so, In this Old Testament reading, we have Isaiah's imperative that runs throughout to preach, to speak, to be that voice that cries in the wilderness of this world. Yes, all flesh is grass, all its loveliness is like the flower of the field, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And ultimately, that word is to bring the grace and salvation of our Lord Jesus. So Jesus' ministry is one of comfort for sinners calling them to embrace him and his forgiving word. You see that in all of the miracles that Jesus then cited to the disciples of John the Baptist in the gospel for today, to believe with all their heart that he has saved them, lightening the darkness of their hearts by his gracious visitation, and here that gracious visitation centers in the proclamation of the gospel of God's free grace and forgiveness as we said in connection with john's ministry uh, preparing the way for the lord so also in isaiah you know the grass withers the flower fades the law must be preached all flesh is grass but this message is preached that we might find our soul and only comfort in the gospel of our savior's forgiving grace so isaiah's description of jesus ministry in the old testament reading is both a description of the church's ministry today and the imperative given to his ministers to do what? To comfort my people. Let them see Jesus. Ultimately, like Luther says in the large catechism under the fifth petition, forgive us our trespasses, toward forgiveness is directed every activity of the church. And so for the pastor, even when he has to preach the law and he has to preach it harshly and when he has to call unrepentant sinners to repentance, it is that he might preach the ultimate message of comfort and to speak it tenderly uh, to those who are troubled by their sins and who are weighed down by the problems of life, to give them hope and comfort that they might rejoice. Not that all of those problems are necessarily ended in this life, But through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, they are able to endure. So the Old Testament reading not only supports the themes in the Holy Gospel for the day, but it also defines what the faithful minister or steward of the mysteries of God's grace is in the epistle for today that's coming up.
0: Before we get to that epistle, we will talk a little bit about the gradual from Psalm 80. You who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. Stir up your mind and come to save us. We'll be right back.
4: Do you need a rest from the world's headlong rush to Christmas? Someplace where you and your family can slow down and prepare for Christ's birth at the church's rather than the world's pace? A midweek evening Advent service is the perfect time for your first visit to a Christ-centered, cross-focused Lutheran church. Learn more on the Find a Church page at issuesetc.org or send an email to talkback at issuesetc.org.
2: What does it mean to be a man? The December issue of The Lutheran Witness takes up the question of anthropology. And for us as Lutherans, understanding what man is and who man is begins first and foremost with understanding who Jesus is and what he has done, how he is the perfect man. Pick up your copy today by visiting cph.org witness, or visit our website, witness.lsms.org, to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective.
3: Grace. Faith. Scripture and Christ alone. You're listening to Issues Etc.
2: Thanks to the
0: following congregations for standing with us by becoming an Issues Etc. Congregational Sponsor. Bethany Lutheran, Naperville, Illinois. Elm Grove Lutheran, Elm Grove, Wisconsin. Grace Lutheran, Henderson, Nevada. Emmanuel Lutheran, Alexandria, Virginia. Mount Calvary Lutheran, Lidditz, Pennsylvania. Pacific Hills Lutheran, Omaha, Nebraska. Reformation Lutheran, Hillsboro, Oregon, St. John Lutheran, Springfield, Pennsylvania, St. Paul Lutheran, Wildwood, Missouri, University Hills Lutheran, Denver, Colorado, and Trinity Lutheran, Scottsboro, Alabama. Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to issuesetc.org, click Support, Donate, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal.
4: Are you ready for war? Are you ready to stand firm in Christ against all odds?
3: Listen to Chapel Services live weekday mornings from Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, at 9 Central, 10 Eastern, 8 Mountain, and 7 Pacific at IssuesETC.org.
4: Yes, yes, you are ready because God has made you ready. Your hope is built on Jesus Christ and his righteousness.
0: Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary. Looking forward to Advent 3. Pastor Peter Bender is our guest, director of the Concordia Catechetical Academy. The Magnificat, the Titles of Christ, Good News of Great Joy. These are just a few of the Christmas card themes from Ad Cruesome. Check them out at AdCruesome.com. And when you're there, be sure to browse Ad Cruesome's Christmas cards, A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M.com. Peter, before we get to that epistle reading, let's talk about the gradual.
1: Yeah, the gradual does this lovely function of tying together the Old Testament and the epistle as it moves from one to the other. So, these themes of preaching and comforting through preaching, which is the work of the shepherd, are then here contained in the gradual, Psalm 81 through 2. So, The gradual reprises the text from Psalm 80 that was used in the intro from last Sunday, Advent 2, Populus Zion. It is addressed to Jesus as the one enthroned upon the mercy seat between the cherubim. So it says, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth, which is what he does through preaching. Stir up your power, your might, and come to save us. Again, we recognize the verse for the day. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. So it is a prayer for salvation, but also for Jesus' ministry now. It's addressed to Jesus. It anticipates that epistle. It is a prayer to Jesus as the shepherd of Israel, petitioning him to do what he loves to do most, shepherd his flock, gather his lambs, carry them in his bosom, and lead those sheep who are with young the extended verses from isaiah 40 that i read as a part of the old testament reading echo this shepherd theme in the gradual for today the comforting shepherd and you know when we say the lord is my shepherd i shall not want we could say the lord is my pastor i shall not want or i am the good shepherd i lay down my life for the sheep i am the good pastor who lays down his life for his sheep or my sheep hear my voice. So we hear the voice of our shepherd or we hear the voice of our pastor.
0: What is the epistle for this coming Sunday?
1: Yeah, how nicely this sets up the epistle for the day. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 5, it's the shortest epistle in all of Advent. This is how one should regard us. St. Paul writes as an apostle, This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. So, Todd, this whole business about being servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God is a description of what pastors are called to be and to do. We're called to be servants of Christ. We are called to be faithful stewards. So you can see the linkage here with Isaiah the prophet, comfort, comfort my people, speak comfort to Jerusalem, cry out to her that her warfare is ended. You can see the faithfulness of John the Baptist who proclaimed the word of God without relenting, prepared the way for the Lord's coming. He was a faithful steward of the mysteries of grace. He baptized according to the command given to him. He disseminated the Lord's forgiveness, and he pointed to Jesus as the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. And that faithfulness of a servant of Christ and of a steward of the mysteries of grace is ultimately defined by the faithfulness that we see on display in Jesus, as the gospel from Matthew 11 indicated for this week. Sometimes pastors and young pastors, they get intimidated by having other pastors uh, show up in their congregation on a Sunday morning or if they're asked to, to preach at a pastor's conference, so I've got to preach before my colleagues and some older and more experienced pastors. And what I like to tell them is, look, every week you are called to preach before God. And that's part of what St. Paul is talking about here. You know, it is with me a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court because I am answerable to the Lord. I don't even judge myself. I'm simply called to be faithful. So the apostolic minister is a servant of Christ, called to be a faithful steward of the gospel for the sake of the gospel and for the people receiving the gospel and the mysteries of God or the sacraments of Christ. And so these mysteries of God refer to those treasures of God's grace in the gospel, treasures that are to be preached, and the holy sacraments that are to be administered. And every minister is ultimately answerable to Christ for the stewardship that has been entrusted to him. The baptized faithful are to look to their ministers to give them Christ.
0: So let's discuss here in the last few minutes that we have, how you would summarize the basic message of the propers we've been through for the third Sunday in Advent.
1: Yeah, we do so remembering the intro rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. We're so often tempted to believe that our happiness, our security, our sense of well-being, and whether or not we have anything to rejoice or be thankful about, rests upon a foundation of daily bread everything that has to do with the support and needs of the body. But as wonderful as those gifts are, all of these things can become for us uh, the basis of idolatry. And when the Apostle Paul in that intro for today says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He is not talking about those things, but a rejoicing that is anchored in Christ and in the gospel We're tempted to believe that the struggle with sin, with human weakness and failure that we all too often succumb to is a sign that we do not belong to Christ. Our consciences are troubled by this struggle with sin, by human weakness, and we're tempted to erroneously conclude that the Lord has withdrawn his saving grace from us. Our malady To which the law must be addressed also would include this, that unless Christ and his saving grace is the foundation for our lives, we will never learn to rejoice amid tears and suffering. So in a certain sense, Todd, I guess he would say that I don't trust the gospel, I don't trust the saving grace, and yet it is out of the gospel and the saving grace that Christ revives faith. So I would say the unique gospel from Advent 3 really centers on how Jesus speaks to us, preaches to us, absolves us, forgives us. Christ came, died, rose from the dead, and preaches comfort and the peace of sins forgiven to those who have no spiritual strength of their own. He doesn't simply talk about salvation. By his word, he who died and rose again delivers it to you. And we see this so often in Luther's preaching, where to accent the gospel, subjectively apply to hurting troubled souls, he will say, it is as if our Lord said to you, I love you, I forgive you, be of good cheer, do not be afraid, I will shoulder your burdens." So for this Sunday, to simply in preaching extol, Christ is our salvation. He is for you in every way. Christ's gospel creates the very faith and confidence in him that our own spiritual nature is incapable of producing. That is such good news. So the gospel gives what the law demands. The law demands faith, but it's the gospel proclaimed in word and sacrament that produces faith. Christ's word in preaching and sacraments bestows every grace and blessing to the brokenhearted. I have called you by name, you are mine. I forgive you your sins and your iniquity. I remember them no more. I love you, I raise you from the dead. I give you eternal life and sit you with me at my Father's right hand. Do not be afraid, your sins are forgiven. I am your righteousness your life and salvation. See, that's what Isaiah is speaking about when the Lord through him says, comfort, comfort my people. It is why Paul says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. It is the mark of a faithful steward of the mysteries of grace. And so the last, I guess, unique gospel for this Sunday, I would say is this, that rejoicing is not primarily a feeling or an attitude of the heart and conscience. But rejoicing is a confession of faith. I am baptized into Christ. I belong to him. He has covered my sin with his righteousness. And by his promises, nothing can separate me from his love. And that's reason, every reason to rejoice, even in the midst of tears.
0: You have just said that Rejoicing isn't as much a feeling as a confession of faith. Is this kind of rejoicing, especially with the message of the season of Advent and the coming celebration of Christ's birth, is this just the natural outcome of faith in Christ?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And speaking of rejoicing as objectivity, the objectivity of rejoicing is anchored in the objective gospel. One of the things I beat myself up over is that when the hymnal project was going on, I didn't catch that a certain Christmas hymn of Luther's was not included in the list of hymns in LSB. It's to shepherds as they watch by night. And this particular stanza captures this, Todd, what we're just talking about, where Luther says, What harm can sin and death then do? The true God now abides with you. Let hell and Satan rage and chafe. Christ is your brother you are safe. That's objective. Objective truth apply to each one of us in our baptism in the gospel, and that means that is every reason to rejoice.
0: Pastor Peter Bender is pastor of Peace Lutheran Church in Sussex, Wisconsin. He's director of the Concordia Catechetical Academy. Peter, thank you very much. Thank you, Todd. Wednesday on Issues, etc. It's media coverage of religion with Terry Mattingly. On Thursday, we'll discuss marriage enrichment with Pastor David Peterson. And on Friday, we'll talk with Dr. Aaron Cariotti about the social impact of pandemic regulations and restrictions. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening.
3: is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.
2: Repentance and forgiveness, sin and grace, law and gospel. More than cliches, real preaching for real people in need of hearing the real Christ. Christ for you and the divine service at St. Paul Lutheran Church of Hamill, Illinois, where we gather every Saturday night at 6 and on the Lord's Day, Sunday mornings at 745 and 10. Look for the Church of the Neon Cross on I-55 between exits 30 and 33. Find us on the web, stpaullutheranchurchhamel.org St. Paul Lutheran Church of Hamill, where there is the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation for the people of God.
4: I am beautiful because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of his family through Jesus shed blood.
2: Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis Illinois shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org unityesl.org Today with the help of the Holy Spirit I say
4: yes to God in his ways.
1: Oh.